God, speak to us today. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts, you know our needs, you know that we are needy people, we are weak, we are vulnerable, and we never have felt more vulnerable possibly in our lives than in 2020 and into early 2021. So God, would you just, would you comfort us? Would you meet us in our pain, our confusion, our anger, our frustration, our sadness, our fear, our anxiety, our worry? God, the psalmist teach us a way of being that brings those things in our heart, our inner world before you and recognizes that you are a God who sees us, who knows us, and who responds. So God, we offer up our hearts to you today. We pray that you would speak to us, convict us, challenge us, transform us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Isaiah, do you have that slide with the text on there? Here we go. So we're going to read this, uh, we're going to put this up here, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along if you want to just grab yours. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Backed by popular demand. (laughs) We've been doing a series for the last couple months. Really this year we're focusing on what does it look like to live as a more wholehearted disciple. And in particular, this quote has really stuck out, and we've shared this every week, and I want to share it again in case you're new or you've forgotten, and I think we can't say it enough, about Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotional and Healthy Relationships. He says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible for a Christian to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. The way of Jesus is the way of love. And in order to love well, we've got to grow in the skills that are required. These these things we're talking about are not natural. If they were natural, we would do them, and yet we fail to love well, if we're honest, right? We think we love well, but we actually don't. So today, we want to talk about this this foundational skill, one I'm I'm really excited about and wish we could do like over a couple weeks, but we're just going to have one crack at it here. And the skill is this. We want to learn to have listening hearts. That's what we want to talk about today. What does it look like to, to listen well? There's a, a line that gets thrown around in my house quite a bit. I'm a dad of four kids. I've been married for uh, 16 years, going on 17 this year. And this phrase gets said a lot. Are you listening to me? Or maybe a statement's made, why aren't you listening to me? You don't seem to be listening to me. To which I always respond, of course I'm listening. I'm a great listener. I'm a pastor. No, I'm a terrible listener. And it's so funny that I'm a terrible listener and that we are terrible listeners. Generally, we're poor listeners because if you think about it, we begin our lives by listening before you ever speak a word. Matter of fact, in utero, before you're even born, you are listening to your mother's voice. 
We know that infants, uh, babies in the womb can actually respond to their mother's voice. They move, dance, turn, and flip, like John the Baptist in the womb with the spirit. They're charismatics in the womb. We begin our lives by listening. Before we say our first words, we spend thousands of hours listening to the voices of our parents, responding to them, mirroring their words. Matter of fact, that's how we learn language acquisition. We learn to speak by listening to and imitating the words of our closest caregivers. We also learn to pick up on their emotions as well from as early as a few weeks old. We listen to our teachers. We listen to our pastors sometimes. We listen to Bible teachers and Sunday school teachers. We spend a lot of our lives as, as babies and children listening. And here's the crazy thing. We actually end our lives listening as well. If you've ever been in the room when somebody passes away, you've been a part of a hospice situation. Hospice workers tell us that people actually, even unconscious, into their last minutes and seconds can hear the voices of their loved ones speaking to them. We begin our lives as listeners, we end our lives as listeners. But somewhere along the way, probably around late childhood, I've noticed just uh, anecdotally as a dad of four and as somebody who was a child, uh, late childhood, early adolescence, we start to give priority to speaking rather than listening. We begin to assert ourselves, talk at others, interrupt others, yell at others, preach at others, especially Christians, we like to preach. Tweet at others, control others, dismiss others with our words. Part of the reason why it's so hard to listen is, is we live in a, a disordered social system, right? We live in a world that's noisy, that makes it hard. There's so many distractions. Social media doesn't make it easy for us to pay attention when there's always a ding. I just recently got a ring doorbell. It is going off all the time telling me a car went by my front porch. I can't even write a sermon without Ring inviting me to see who's at my house right now. We live in a, in a world of distraction, a world of hurry, where we're always busy and it's hard to listen because it doesn't feel like we have the time. Many of us grew up in family systems where we weren't listened to well. We grew up in family systems where our parents talked at us, yelled at us, or withdrew and ignored us and neglected us, but certainly didn't listen in any kind of meaningful way. And so we grow up learning to speak and listen as we were taught to do, oftentimes not very healthy. But here's the thing, poor listening isn't just something we learn from a disordered society. There's something far deeper at play in our interior lives. And I've noticed this about myself, poor listening is often, for me at least, a symptom of a disordered heart. It's a, it's a symptom of a disordered soul. I don't like to listen. I'm not, good, I'm not great at listening. One of the things I've noticed about myself is when I'm really not listening well, it's because I have an exaggerated sense of my own importance in the world. I really only care about what I have to say, what I have to think about. I have this self-preoccupation that the Bible calls sin, which is just selfishness. Augustine said we're curved in on ourselves. That's the root of sin. We're turned in on ourselves. We, we care mostly about ourselves. We, we are self-preoccupied. And we are relentlessly creative. I am relentlessly creative at finding ways to make conversations about me. When I was growing up, there was this country song. I'm gonna totally reveal my redneck Kentucky roots here. And it was, it, it, this singer used to sing about this and he, and he was talking to his, I think to his girlfriend or his wife and he's like, I wanna talk about me. I wanna talk about us. I wanna talk about number one. I mean, he goes on and he, you know, I like talking about you, 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 you occasionally, 
but let's talk about me. I like to talk about me. I think I'm pretty interesting. I find my ideas pretty fascinating and brilliant. I like to explain me. I like to defend me. I like to clarify me. I like to rationalize me. You just don't get me. Let me just talk at you some more until I put you under barrage of words until you just relent and just walk out of the room. Proverbs 18.2 says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And they say social media is not in the Bible. We are selfish. We also are afraid of vulnerability. To listen is to be vulnerable. To listen is to be open. When I listen, I have to pay attention to emotions. When I listen, what begins to happen inside of me is I notice that shame begins to creep up. I notice fear oftentimes comes up. Anger, defensiveness, bitterness, prejudice, anxiety. All of that's happening inside of me. When I listen deeply to others, it surfaces these distressing thoughts and emotions, which is why I don't like to listen. It's just easier to talk than to have to feel. See, listening forces us to deal with ourselves as much as we have to deal with others. And that's really, I think, at the heart of why we don't like to listen. We don't want to grow. We don't want to be wrong. We don't want to change. We don't like to be afraid. We don't like to feel shame. We don't like to feel guilt or fear or anxiety. It invites vulnerability. It invites weakness. It invites our limitations, the limitations of words and ideas. It invites transformation. And so it's just easier, at least for me, to avoid listening, to avoid people that make me listen, i.e. people that talk a lot. I like to be around quiet people. And I live in a family of very talkative people. See, I feel out of control when I listen. I don't like to feel out of control. The reality is most of us think we're good listeners. If I asked you right now on a scale of one to 10, how good of a listener are you? You'd probably say, ah, no, like not wanting to be super prideful, at least a five, somewhere between a five and an eight. Although in your mind, you probably think you're closer to a nine or 10. The reality is we're actually not great listeners. I mean, millions of dollars are spent on therapy. Why do you think that is? Because we as a society don't listen well. Most of therapy is active listening. We have a cultural poverty when it comes to listening. I, I dare you to do this this week. I dare you to ask somebody who you trust, how good of a listener am I? Like on the ride home today at lunch, how about this? Parents, I dare you to ask your children how good of a listener you are. Like the power dynamic, whoever is the, maybe like the weaker party. Like I, I, I would love for some of you to ask me as, and tell me as, my, as your pastor, how good of a listener am I? How awesome would it be if our politicians asked us how good they are at listening? How awesome would it be if people in majority culture would start asking questions of people in minority culture about life and listening? How good of a listener are we? We don't listen well. You can think of all kinds of examples of people not listening well. The one-upmanship that goes on in conversation, somebody says something, you're like, oh, I got a better story. Ways we turn the conversation towards ourselves. The lawyer who wants to investigate and just get the facts and the data and they're peppering you with questions so they can catch you in a lie to then indict you and judge you in the court of their mind. 
the person who projects their own issues on you and they're, you know, somebody's talking and you just have to break into the conversation and say, yeah, me too, me too. It's a form of bad listening. Hijacking the conversation, trying to be a fixer, trying to be a contrarian where you only ask questions so you can contradict what somebody has to say. Deflecting, redirection. I mean, we can all think about this. I just see my own life. I, I have not been a great listener. The biggest regret that I have in my marriage, the biggest regret I have as a pastor are times when I look back and I see, I thought I was listening, I wasn't listening. And it wrecks relationships. See, what's at stake when we don't listen well is that we are implicitly saying to others, you don't matter. Listening is about relationships, it's about communion. And when I don't listen to you, I dismiss you and I say, you're not worth my time. I don't care what you have to say. You're not a, dignity, a, di- a person full of dignity, worth, and value. Create an image of God who has something meaningful to add to my life and to this conversation. That's why so many of us in church, in our families, in our communities, in our marriages, we don't feel seen. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people say that to me. I don't feel seen in this community. I don't feel heard. I don't feel valued. And when you don't feel seen, valued, heard, felt, it's impossible to feel loved. It's impossible to love without listening. And so that's all that I kind of want to say today, right? Before I get into a few tips here before we close about how we love, I want to talk about why listening is critical to human flourishing. It's critical to our spirituality. And here's the simple idea for this, this message. If we want to love well, we have to learn to listen well. You want to be a lover of people, you've got to learn to listen deeply. To practice deep listening is part of what it means to be an image bearer of God. Let me ask you this question. Think about maybe conflict in your life. Think about, I want you to visualize somebody that you're mad at, somebody that you are not reconciled with. Think about somebody that you're struggling with. Think about the homeless person you walk by. Think about the poor. Think about all the invisible people in our community. Think about your own family. How would your relationships change if you approach this week every relationship, every situation as a listener first instead of a speaker? As a servant rather than somebody who needs to be served. If you used your ears more than your mouth, how might it transform your relationships. Now, let me just give you a quick little um, biblical theology on why this is important, because I can give you active listening techniques and tips. But really, listening is not so much about the how, because many of you actually know how to listen. It's about who. What kind of person are you becoming? Are you becoming the kind of person that listens? And why should you, right? Like, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you don't even believe Uh, in God, you don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, I would say to you, you have no actual motivation to listen to anybody other than just a utilitarian impulse to be polite. But as Christians, we have a deeper reason to pay attention and to listen. You know what that is? Because we serve a listening God. You ever thought about that? The reason that we should listen is because we serve a listening God. We worship a listening God. We love a listening God who pays attention to us. Have you ever thought about that? You're told oftentimes, pay attention to God, but do you realize that before you pay attention to God, God has been paying attention to you? I mean, just step back and think about that. You, a speck 
on the cosmic scale of history. God has been mindful of you. I was blown away this week just thinking about this fact. When we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, we think about who God is, his power, his knowledge, his sovereignty. One of the more shocking things about Jesus that we see in the Gospels is how much he listens. Jesus, the word of God, John says, became flesh, dwelled among us, moved into the neighborhood to show us what God was like, to reveal God's glory, his salvation, his character, his nature to us. And, and for me, at least, when God shows up, when the king shows up, the one who is all-knowing and all-powerful, I fully expect this kind of king of the universe to exercise his sovereign right to speak all the time and for me just to be listening, right? Because more power and more authority and more knowledge and more expertise usually means what? You don't have to listen. That's actually one of the big problems in our society right now is that powerful people think they don't have to listen. But Jesus flips that on its head. Jesus does speak a lot and he does teach a lot. But in Jesus, we also see what it means for God to take on the posture of a servant, to enter, to enter into other people's worlds by listening. Listening is who God is. He's a listener. Think about Genesis. God speaks the universe into existence out of nothing, and he could have gone on and on with that role of just speaking and things happening. But one of the very first things we notice about God is that God is a trinity. God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. God is a community of love. And in a community, love means listening. Listening so that we can respond. You ever thought about that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit exist in this community of listening to one another, responding to one another, communicating with one another. Jesus, he says, listens to what the Father commands. He doesn't do anything on his own accord. The Spirit listens, and he only speaks what Jesus tells him to speak. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin against God, they rebel against their creator. What's the first thing that God does when he walks through the cool of the garden and confronts them in their sin? What does he do? Does he yell at them? I ask a question. Where are you? And that where are you is not like God doesn't have GPS physically and like doesn't know where they are and needs to check his coordinates. It's a spiritual question. Where are you? He's, he's inviting relationship. In Exodus 3, we read that God heard the oppression of his people. 400 years of crying out. He heard their cries and he responds. Psalm 8, one of the most spectacular passages about God's listening to us. The psalmist says this, what is man that you are mindful of him? Think about that, mindful. We talk about mindfulness. God is ultimately mindful. And what fills God's mind is us. God pays attention to us. God listens to us. And we see that then in the life of Jesus. Jesus continues this listening pattern of God. In this story in Mark chapter 10, and you could do this with so many different stories. You could look at John chapter four, Jesus and the woman in the well. You could look at John chapter seven and eight, the woman caught in adultery. You could do this with the rich young ruler. I mean, time and time again, we see this pattern. Jesus and his disciples are busy with ministry, busy saving humanity, right? And in the midst of this, they come to Jericho. He comes to Jericho with his disciples. And there's a huge crowd of people gathered around Jesus, precisely the time that many of us like, you have a crowd of people following you. 
you're going IPO with your company, right? You've got a, a busy day at school with lots of children running around. This is a precisely the time you don't want to be interrupted. But notice Jesus. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people are shushing him, telling him to be silent. Hey, Jesus doesn't have time for you. This is what we do with, with voices like this. We say, no, you don't matter. Be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you. But he cried out again, son of David, have mercy on me. We see even here, I think Bartimaeus is listening. He knows who Jesus is, though he's blind and never seen him with his eyes. He knows the stories. He's listened and internalized the stories about the son of David, the king who would come for the poor, the marginalized, to open the eyes of the blind. And he knows that the one thing that he can cry out for, the one prayer that God always answers in the Bible is have mercy on me. So he does it. Perhaps as as an experiment. (laughs) Perhaps as just a holy risk. But nonetheless, he cries out. And the amazing thing is, again, Jesus stopped. And he said, call him. Jesus looks this man in the eyes. This blind man whose gaze would not have been able to reciprocate. And can you imagine that moment? Jesus standing face to face with a blind man in his desperation. And he asked this question that he asked commonly throughout the Gospels, but it's kind of a little bit kind of wild. What do you want me to do for you? What king asks people, what do you want me to do for you? A king is supposed to say, here's what I need you to do for me. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? So like Jesus, to ask a crazy question like that, to mind his desires. What do we learn about listening from Jesus quickly? Jesus listened by slowing down and being fully present. He stood still. It required him to stop what he was doing, to be sensitive to the spirit. Jesus is full of the spirit. We read in Luke, in the early chapters of Luke, he's full of the spirit. And that gives Jesus the patience and the vision to be able to slow down, to listen, to respond, being fully present. Listening is practicing the presence of other people, being in close enough proximity to listen, to hear their cries, to notice and pay attention when somebody needs a listening ear. This is an act of what Henry Nouwen, the great spiritual teacher taught um, of, of spiritual hospitality. That's what listening is, it's spiritual hospitality to the hurting. He says this, to listen is very hard because it asks of us so much interior stability that we no longer need to prove ourselves by speeches, arguments, statements, or declarations. Jesus could have made a declaration, he could have said you're healed, but instead he asked a question. True listeners no longer have an inner need to make their presence known. They are free to receive, to welcome, to accept. Listening is much more than allowing another to talk while waiting for a chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. The beauty of listening is that those who are listened to start feeling accepted, start taking their own words more seriously and discovering their own true selves. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, and even to dare to be silent with you. Jesus was present with people, 
Listening requires presence. Jesus listened to people that others ignored. We've talked about that. He listened to the poor. He listened to the sick. He listened to the pariahs. He listened to the foreigners. He listened to the suffering. He listened to sinners. He listened to the people that nobody else in society wanted to listen to. Paid attention to them. And then thirdly, Jesus listened deeply by asking really good questions. There's a theological paper published that claims throughout the Gospels, I haven't counted myself, but claims that Jesus asked 307 questions in the New Testament. He was asked 183 questions, of which he only answers less than 10, which means that Jesus, when he was asked questions, was 40 times more likely to answer a question with a question rather than give a direct answer. What does that tell us about what it means to be a disciple? Jesus thought listening was really important. Jesus asked questions and he probed for underlying realities. He didn't take things at surface value on the face of it. He probed for underlying needs. He asked questions to invite discovery, right? Rather than just declaring things, he invited people to discover those realities for themselves. Because when I discover it for myself, then it has the power to transform me. He asked questions to forge intimacy. Jesus didn't just preach at people for the sake of message delivery or information. He was seeking communion. And he asked questions to bring about transformational healing. That's why Jesus engaged people at the level of desire. What do you want me to do for you? Who are you? Right, like Jesus would not be somebody you want to take to coffee if you want to have a superficial conversation about life. What do you want me to do for you? In other words, Jesus is listening for their story. He's listening for their pain. He's listening to their emotions, to watching their body language, looking for their confusion, their doubt, their hopes, their dreams, their fears. I want to know those things. I want to engage you at that level, Jesus says. So profound. This is the mystery of the gospel, right? This is the mystery of the kingdom of God, that God, the king of the universe, Jesus the king, would humble himself, would become a human being, not just take our answers for granted, not take us as nobodies who don't matter, but God himself takes on human flesh, empties himself of divine privilege, takes on the form of a servant, and dies for those who really honestly weren't listening to him in the first place. That's why Jesus always say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. People weren't listening. And Jesus dies anyways. Now, this is our listening God. And this is the pattern for us as listening disciples. Listening is central. So Jesus shows us what God is like. But remember, Jesus is also fully human. So he's showing us what it means to be fully human. This is what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple is to be one who is fully human in every way that Jesus is. The word disciple, right? The word root word, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Methete, it's a learner. Not one who has the answers, one who is learning. 1,500 times in scripture, there's an invitation to listen. God speaks most of the time and we are supposed to listen. Disciples are gathered and formed by the word of God, the voice of God. 
the centerpiece of Israel's prayer life, the Shema. That word Shema literally means hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, and that word hear in the Hebrew means hear and obey. Hear, listen, are you listening? The Jewish community would rehearse these words from childhood several times a day in prayer to ingrain in them that to be a disciple is to be a listener and a learner. Jesus calls his first disciples. They listen and they follow him. And Jesus was constantly inviting those who had ears to hear to listen and obey. Paul says, hearing comes before faith. James says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because a lot of times our listening is about being angry. Listening also says a lot about our relationship with God. If you, let me just say this, and I hope that you hear me, because it's been true in my life. If you can't listen to others, you can't listen to God. You're probably not listening to God. You will act no differently in your relationships with people that you can see than with a God that you can't see. If you're not listening to others, you're not listening to God. If you can't listen to God, you also can't really learn to listen to others. That's why Solomon prayed of all the things he could ask for, what did he ask God for? We, we often think about Solomon asking for wisdom, but he actually says, I want wisdom and I want what? A discerning heart, a listening heart. That's what made Solomon, his leadership, so profound in many ways, although very broken in lots of ways. The best way to grow in listening to others is to begin with the fact that God listens to you. He's paying attention to you. He's given you his full presence. As God has been present to you, you have an opportunity to be present to other people. Romans 15, seven says, therefore welcome one another. Listen to one another. Open up your lives to one another. As Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. If you're not listening to others, if you're not welcoming others, there's a very good chance you're not listening to God or welcoming God himself. The Bible actually says to welcome others in Matthew 25, to receive the sick, the poor, the prisoner, the orphan, widow, fatherless in their distress is actually to welcome Christ himself. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his great book, The Cost of uh, Life Together, she wrote for a bunch of pastors that were living in community with one another in Nazi Germany. He calls this the ministry of listening. The first service one owes to others in community involves listening to them. Just as our love for God begins with listening to God's word, the beginning of love for other Christians is learning to listen to them. God's love for us is shown by the fact that God not only gives us God's word, but also lends us God's ear. We do God's work for our brothers and sisters when we learn to listen to them. So often Christians, especially preachers, guilty, think that their only service is always to have to offer something when they are together with other people. They forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people seek a sympathetic ear and do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking even when they should be listening. But Christians who can no longer listen to one another will soon no longer be listening to God either. They will always be talking even in the presence of God. The death of the spiritual life starts here. Those who cannot listen along patiently will always be talking past others. And finally, no longer will even notice it. 
Those who think their time is too precious to spend listening will never really have time for God and others, but only for themselves and for their own words and plans. And I love this last line. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. This is deep listening. Deep listening is to listen at a heart level with empathy to other people, giving the ear of God to one another, attuned to the words, the communication, non-verbally and otherwise of another person so that the other person feels felt by us. Now, because I already preached another sermon, I basically need to be done right here. So I'm just gonna give you some practical things to think about. What does it actually look like to grow as a listener? I just wanna mention these to you and then you can talk about them more in community or I'm happy to share these slides or we can talk more about this in the future. But here's some, uh, some, some practical kind of like steps or helps for growing as a listener based on what we talked about here in the life of Jesus and the Proverbs and all over the Bible. First, slow down and be fully present to other people, right? The reason I have a hard time listening is I don't like to slow down. I like to be busy. I like to be moving from one thing to the next. Listening requires us to put away our phones, right? It requires us to remove distractions. It requires us to mute the inner dialogue that gets in the way of us listening. Do you ever find yourself doing this in conversation? Your mind is racing ahead, trying to anticipate or thinking you know what the other person's gonna say. And you've got to race ahead of the conversation so that you can have a response and not look like an idiot and sit in silence when they're done talking. Okay, that's not being fully present to somebody. That's being distracted. We've got to learn to listen with our whole person, be fully present. Secondly, we listen with empathic attunement. We listen with empathy, attuned to not only the words, but the body language, right? We listen beneath the waterline. We step into their world. We're listening with them, not just to them. Only 7% of meaning, speech pathologists and researchers tell us, is conveyed in the words people speak. 50% is conveyed in body language. 38% is conveyed in voice, The Proverbs 25 says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. We are complex human beings. Emotions, desires, longings, sin, suffering. Don't ever presume to understand what somebody else is going through, who they are, without slowing down to attune to them and ask them really good questions. Thirdly, reflect back to the person what you understand them saying without judging interpreting, or fixing. Now, I love Coldplay's song, Fix You, as much as anybody else. It wrecks me on a regular basis. If you haven't listened to it, it's a beautiful song about this tendency that we have to fix one another. But the reality is we cannot do that if we're going to listen well, right? We've got to listen without judgment, right? We, we like to fix people, and fixing is really just a form of dismissing people or controlling others. I don't want to deal with you, so I'm just going to tell you what to do. Here's what you do, right? Let me just fix you. Or like a mechanic, you know? Let me diagnose the problem, then I'm gonna tell you what to do. And what that does is shuts people down. Now, I know that for some of us, we have a hard time not doing this because we think, well, what about our responsibility to speak truth? Yes, there's a time to speak truth, right? And affirming, a, what I'm talking about here is affirming a person and affirming their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings, their memories, and their pain. That doesn't mean that you're agreeing with everything that they say. So I can listen to you and I don't have to jump in and tell you and give you the, all the caveats of why you're wrong about X, Y, and Z. I can just listen and be present with you and empathize with you. There's a time to speak truth. But sometimes all people need to do is just get the hurt out there. They need to get the poison out of their system and we just need to listen and trust what the Spirit of God wants to do in their lives. 
Fourthly, confirm what they said and how they felt was correct. What I'm hearing you say is that you feel this way. You feel angry, you feel sad, you feel depressed. Is that true? Is that what I'm actually hearing? And if not, would you please correct and help me understand? Fifthly, be curious. First question usually is the most important question. The second question is usually the most important question. Is there more? I'm curious. Could you tell me more about, you just teared up a second ago. Can you tell me more about that? What, what's going on right there? Tell me more about your father. Tell me more about your relationship with your siblings. Often the first issue, I find this all the time in counseling people, counseling you. People come into my office and they spend an hour and 29 minutes talking about something that's not related to what they actually wanna talk about. And then the last minute they'll say something like this. Actually, the reason I wanna come and talk to you is this. I'm like, well, why didn't we talk about that an hour and 28 minutes ago so we could have a really long productive conversation about it? But it takes us a while to disentangle our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, to get over our fears and our anxieties of being judged because we're used to being dismissed and ignored. So we gotta listen. Often the first issue is not the deepest issue and good listening draws out root issues. Seventh, repeat until the person feels heard and you understand where they're coming from. And then eighthly, pray with them after you've listened and after they've been heard and they say, I feel heard, I feel seen, I feel loved, trust the Holy Spirit to do the work of transformation. It is not our job to fix. It is not our job to control, to manage. I love Paul's words in Philippians 3. We just went over these a couple months ago. He says this, let those of you who are mature think this way. God, not afraid to speak the truth, but if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Paul says, I'm not the Holy Spirit. That's not my job. I'll let him reveal that to you. Imagine like just, we go to communion. Imagine how amazing this would be as a community. If we were a listening community full of listening disciples following the listening God into his work of redeeming and healing and transforming lives. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody say, baby, you're here and you're not a Christian. When was the last time you said about the church, wow, those Christians, they're amazing listeners. We laugh because it's never, like said nobody ever. They're amazing listeners. No, they're great at preaching. They're great at condemning. They're great at judging and telling us what's wrong with the world. But wouldn't it be amazing? Like when I'm around them, I feel heard. I feel seen. I feel understood. I feel felt. I feel loved. Wouldn't it be amazing to be a community that actually operates like that, where we listen to one another, where we listen to God, and in listening to God, listen to one another and realize that in listening to other, we're in a sacred space of communion with the Holy Spirit. And as we listen to our neighbor, we listen to our community. We're in a position to actually listen to where the healing needs to come and then speak the right word at the right time with the right spirits. That is the power of good listening is it makes our speaking more powerful. When I understand you, now I can speak words of life in Jesus' name. Close with Proverbs 25, 11. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this invitation to listen, to be a community of listeners. As you listen to us, as you invite us to explore our deepest desires and longings and to, to give those to you, to see that you're a God that listens, but then responds. You respond with healing. You open the eyes of the blind. You raise dead people to life. You take rebellious people and you turn them into sons and daughters. 
This is the work of redemption. It's speaking and listening. But first for us, learning to listen so that we might speak well. God, give us your heart. Give us your eyes. Give us your ears. Help us to listen with the ears of God so that we might speak the words of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.